Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode 23 of Movie Dumpster. Today we're talking Dark Forest from 2015, directed by Roger Boyer. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. And I'm Connor O'Canada McGraw. Welcome to the dumpster. What do you want me to say? Say something like, welcome to the ongoing adventures of the four Wonder Women. Wonder Women? Yeah. When have you ever read comics? Just say something when I yell action, okay? Okay, but be sure to record it. I've been recording. You need to be efficient. Thank you. Now, action. Welcome to the amazing adventures of Francine. Tonight, we will be exploring the dark forest, the last known frontier for these ladies. Cut. How's that? Too sexy? Not sexy enough. And being like Jolene sexy. Uh, you're gonna have to try a little harder than that. Uh, so this was our first request and about Five minutes into it, um, I was hoping the person who asked us to watch this would get rocks in their shoes for the rest of their life. And then I quickly turned around. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know exactly who manages their Twitter, but they were like, hey, could you review this for us? And I'm like, hey, you know we make fun of movies? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Asking ye shall get. So here we are. Oh, in that case, I'm very happy to oblige. Yes. This is direct to Redbox, found the bottom of a Walmart discount bin. Potentially found at the bottom of a dumpster, let's say. Yeah. Probably, and like it's one of the, the last titles you'll ever scroll to at the bottom of a Netflix catalog. And I mean physically at the bottom, like it's that <laughs> list where no one ever goes, like next to Zombievers and shit. Oh, God. I, I'd rather watch Zombievers 12 times in this movie. I don't know, because this movie's pretty funny. I guess. But it's not labeled as a comedy. No, at some point I thought I was being trolled. I was like, is this movie self-aware? Um, I think it's a little self-aware. I mean, some of these jokes definitely play into certain aspects of like the horror movie trope crash and burn is that what you meant to say yeah yeah they crash and burn but they're there one in particular works um we'll talk about more when we get there but uh if it wasn't self-aware it was the happiest accident i've seen in a long time because it was comedy gold can i oh real quick can i plot crunches real quick hey go ahead uh so after tommy jarvis killed jason in friday four uh (laughs) he's sent to a retreat where he has to hang out with a bunch of... Oh, I'm sorry. We didn't watch Friday 5. I'm sorry. Oh, I was wishing I was, though. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I hate Friday 5. A lot of people don't like it. I, I just like the part in Friday 5 where Jason just randomly has, like, a, a gardener's, like, kit, and he just attacks a guy with... What, what the fuck is he getting with, like, a hoe or something? The garden shears? Was part 5 the one with the uh, the telekinesic chick, right? No, that's 7. Yeah. Well, then I don't remember 5 at all. Ignore me. That That's 7 where Jason goes in and out of a tool shed for 90 minutes and grabs <laughs> new, new tools <laughs> Kills me. He's like, this was fun, but I gotta try that fucking weed whacker over there. Yes, that's what I'm thinking of. That's what I'm thinking of. Now, oh yeah, part five is with the fake Jason, right? Yes. Good old Roy. Okay, okay. And both of these movies had a Roy. That's what I thought you meant, and I was like, oh boy, is this guy gonna fucking pull a fucking fast one? No, that's the, there's different reasons, but uh, somebody else can actually pluck around this, or we can sum it up in probably a single sentence. Okay, here it goes. Ready? There's this chick, Emily, who... Uh, 
is, has like an abusive verbally and physically, I guess, question mark, uh, boyfriend. And uh, she's she wants to go on a camping trip with her friends, and he doesn't like that very much. So she ends up uh, leaving after he passes out drunk and goes with her friends on the camping trip. And he uh, snaps and becomes extremely murderous and kills everybody except for the main cast of characters. Yeah, about that. Kind of a weird decision for a horror movie to have four final girls. Uh, You know, we'll get into it as we talk about the movie because there's a lot of concepts in this film that I actually don't hate, but the execution on them pisses me off. Yeah, I totally agree. There's something about this movie that I kind of find slightly endearing but it's 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 done by a he's never listened it's done by a moron this is this is all so hackneyed i don't know why though like that's a big problem with this like the the writing is just all over the place and this movie is put together really poorly um but we can get into that as we talk about that's, it you want to just jump into it because i feel like we got to just start this thing and then it'll just kind of start make a little bit more sense yeah all right let's do it uh, so we start off in a dream sequence, and I was like, holy shit, this better not be the entire movie, because the fucking saturation is jacked up to fucking 300 on this footage. Yeah, I was sitting there like, holy shit, what is with the color grading? I know, it was really funny, like, there's fucking colors bleeding into other colors over the place. Yeah, I'm like waiting for the fucking Willy Wonka music to start playing and shit, and, uh, so this chick is having, the, the, the main girl, Emily's having a dream, and then... She wakes up, but it's not her. It's another main girl that wakes up. Yeah, that was very confused by that. And I'm like, all right, strike fucking one. Because <laughs> because uh, towards the end of the movie, this happens again, and it doesn't. It, and it makes more sense there than it does in the beginning. And it's like, what, what the fuck are we trying to do here? This movie also has no problem from scene to scene in a poorly edited sequence of events that will just throw unassuming white people at you. Smash cut. Everything's a fucking smash cut. Yeah, that that's a problem that'll come up very frequently later on in the film, but I just want to comment on this dream sequence real quick. Sure. I, I'm watching this dream sequence. Basically, she's walking through the woods, and then a duplicate of her, essentially, is like, you know, 100 yards the other way, and they kind of turn at the same time and look at each other, and then it teleports right in front of her. So I'm sitting there like, okay, what is this, like a ghost story? Like, what are they going for here? And then, like, by the end of the movie, I guess it has to do, like, with her being afraid of her husband and she's overcoming that but like maybe i'm giving it too much credit it's very bizarre my read she was it was that she was becoming unhinged but it doesn't fucking go anywhere oh okay okay it doesn't go anywhere though it's just kind of like at the end that's the friday five comparison because it's a fuck it's it's a it's a silly like subplot that developed that goes nowhere that you didn't know about that you didn't know about and like and actually and the friday 13th franchise has actual evidence that that story goes nowhere because by the next movie tommy jarvis is just like acting as if four just happened uh i think they did it on purpose because people were like hey that's not jason people were like that's fucking dumb (laughs) (laughs) uh okay we're here let's fix it real quick you gave jason an adversary and then you turned him into the villain go fuck yourselves yeah. So, uh, right. So, so like I was saying, um, what is this girl's name that wakes up? Uh, Michelle. Michelle. Okay, you're gonna have to excuse us this whole episode because I cannot fucking remember anybody except Emily and uh, the main bad guy. Well, like, yeah, like I said, this movie just it just like it's like okay, here's people, here's more people, here's some more people. Are you following? No, no, I don't know what. Stop it. There's a few characters that get name dropped like multiple times, but 
for the most part, you get like a one-off name drop and that's all you get for the whole movie. So she wakes up and she like goes into the kitchen and there's just some bad jokes about her having a drink. Like her, her friend is in the kitchen. Well, apparently it's her sister, which I didn't pick up on until the end of the movie. Uh, you're right, actually. I didn't know either. Because there's like three there's like three girls living in this house together, right? I thought they were just roommates. Yeah, it, 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 that's how it comes across. There's Michelle, who we just explained, and then, you know, the sister she bumps into, Francine. Uh, who's who's saying? Oh, you were in your sleep. You were talking about oh Brent, Brent, and then there's a third one which I never caught the name of, and I I desperately tried to fucking really listen to catch this. So I just called her camera woman because she walks around with a handy cam the entire movie. By the way, that camera that's a plot that's a, a a plot thread that just gets abandoned. Yeah, what? Why even have it? <laughs> It's so fucking stupid. There's like several shots of like like f- fake as fuck found footage filters like throughout this movie showing her filming stuff. It's never followed up on and it has no significance to the rest of the movie. No, it just kind of goes, just disappears. So she wakes up, she has that interaction with her sister in the kitchen and then we fucking slam cut to this asshole pulling up to these chicks and he's like, hey ladies, you want to get in the car? You ready for some camping or whatever? Oh, you mean Henry and Frankie? Yeah, I guess. Is that their names? Yeah, I really wrote it down. I, I know Frankie because Frankie from a distance looked like uh like a, a dollar store Frankie Muniz for a second. <laughs> Everyone in this movie has like a higher doppelganger. The entirety of this man's dialogue is just, hey, look at my dick. Wanna fuck? Here's my dick. Here's a dick joke. Here's this fucking, I hate women. Women are bullshit, but I'm gonna fuck them. I'm gonna, let me fuck you. It's fucking detestable. You got Henry asking his girlfriend, oh, yeah, did you get the dick pics I sent last night? And then you get a POV shot of Frankie checking the other one out. Like, what the fuck? I died when, uh, so, yeah, they roll up and, like, fucking girls get in this car and one hops in the back seat with Henry, I guess his name is. Yeah. His first line is, do you get those dick pics I sent you? Not, not a single human being on this planet would say that. And if they did... I don't want him in the fucking movie. I don't want to see that. Yes, yeah, seriously. Let's say I'm the driver, and you got in my car, and the first thing you say to your significant other is, hey, you get those dick pics I sent you? I'm asking you to leave. Let me tell you something. If I was on a camping trip with this fucking asshole, and if he did half the shit that he does in this movie to his girlfriend, I'm fu- I'm going to punch this guy in the fucking mouth. This girlfriend is the most loyal girlfriend to ever exist, and I'll explain why later. <laughs> <laughs> Where did he go? God damn it. That's a gem for later in the plot. (laughs) Yeah, the alternate title of this movie was Padding the Movie, because there is just (laughs) bullshit. I couldn't believe this movie was only an hour and 15 minutes, and the first 21 minutes are just like the most... It's just meanders. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> it meanders quite a bit, actually, throughout the whole movie. So they so they get in the car and they drive off or whatever. And then we cut back to the house. Uh, what's her name? Patricia? Victoria? Uh, Michelle? Yeah, there's Michelle, yeah. But the, uh, the camera woman, she's sitting there and she's, like, talking to Veronica. And she's like, oh, you know, we're, we're going to make a story. You know, I'm going to record this and find it later. And, uh, uh, and she's like, we're going to the dark forest tonight. Oh, I missed that line entirely. Yeah, she's like, so Dime Store Jillian uh, Anderson is like, oh, hey, here's, here's the fucking video camera. Say something. And she's... We're we're sitting here for like five minutes as the audience watching these two morons talk about what they're going to film, okay? And it's a big problem because Connor already mentioned that this fucking plot goes nowhere, and I just feel like we're just trying to kill time. We're trying to fill it in. You can sum up this movie's plot by saying abusive boyfriend goes on killing spree. That's it. Yeah. That is the whole plot. 
and it takes forever to get to it. So yeah, they're going back and forth with this camera, and it's just the dialogue is just so fucking bad. Then, then at some point they're like the dinner table, like continuing this conversation, and uh, who who somebody says this story? I think it's Michelle. No, it's not Michelle. Camera girl basically goes, oh, you know, my coworker, uh, she found a bug over by the garbage bins. And, you know, the funny thing is she was so scared and she's going to she's going to college to be an entomologist. This movie has the balls to sit there and give you, like, I think three separate monologues that have nothing to do with anything in this movie at all. And you're just sitting there. You're like, I have to watch this. You're just going to put this in front of my face for the next three minutes. Fuck you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what's the runtime at? Oh, shit. 65 minutes. All right. Put the put the entomology joke in there. Uh, and then the chick is like what's an entomologist? And she's like, a person who studies bugs. And she's like, oh, well, if she's going to be an entomologist, then why is she scared of a water beetle? And I'm like, oh, excuse me. You know exactly what fucking kind of bug it is. Here's how you know a joke will never land is when you have to explain the joke to your audience through another character because they don't even get it. This was also one of the first times I noticed like this really shoddy editing that was going on. And every time a character delivers a line... It just, the camera stays on them for like a second too long, and it just totally kills the whole scene. Like, say what you will about how these people are acting in this movie, you know, it's all pretty bad, but you're not even giving them a fucking chance. Like, the editing just just totally immediately dunks their ass in the toilet. The pregnant pauses are so funny, because there's tons of them, and at some point, it just looks like someone shuts down. Um... Oh my goodness! Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine because I like I finished this movie and then it was done. I was like, I don't remember how I got here. No, me neither. <laughs> well, I picked you up in the car and I dropped you off. How was that? No, no, no. <laughs> this movie does not deserve to be in the MDU. John Hurt is like, I had nothing to do with this. Okay. You want to blame anybody? Blame yesterday's Target for this one. <laughs> I'm Daniel Baldwin and I made this. It's my fault. You know what? Sure. Is this where we like? At some point, we we go back to what Peter's house. Well, f- no. First, you have randomly after this bug conversation, just this music starts playing, this rock and roll music, and Michelle's oh, just like checking out her convertible for like thirty seconds before she pulls away. I've got some stuff to say about this soundtrack. The, the est- okay, <laughs> okay. The score, the score is actually not bad. Um, I like the score a lot because it just sounds like old 70s. Yes, the original synth score. The original score. However, the fucking licensed music flip-flops between, like, hilarious rap rock or, or, like, these strange indie rock titles. Like, I quit my job and I'm an artist. Ah!" Or, like, you know, like, chick 90s songs, which is fine because it's like a girl road trip or what have you. But, like, there is a piece of music... For literally every fucking cut in this movie. Oh, yeah. I'm like, why? Why the fuck? Why are we playing this music when she's going out to... We're talking about the scene in question with the fucking convertible right now. She just walks out, and this fucking hard, like, rock is playing. And it takes her ten fucking minutes to get into this car. And then she turns it on, and then it just cuts. And she's, like, at someplace else and just gets out of the car. Like, where the fuck is your establishing shot? It reminds me of Torgo's theme, how it just starts and stops whenever he just decides to be walking or something really awkwardly. And then just stops as soon as he stops walking. (laughs) Also, who parks fucking sideways in their driveway? I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that was a little bizarre. 
showing off the car, man. I swear to God, this this scene where she gets into the car, and then there's a scene later where they all get into the car, they shot back to back, because the car's in the same fucking spot. Hey, man, chicks take the car. Well, the, the amount of liberal shortcuts this movie takes to, to get up, to, to move along is, is pretty criminal sometimes. Yeah, but that's the thing, like, we're showing, we're not showing the important stuff and showing all the bullshit, which I can't stand. <laughs> I can't stand it. It's it's like um you ever seen uh I think it's like horror and red white and blue or something like that the documentary in American horror. Uh oh uh, uh yes I know what you're talking about. There's a sequence where uh, George Romero just talks about how many times in the original thing people are opening doors and then it just shows a slam like a supercut of people opening and closing doors. That's kind of what this movie feels like. <laughs> just to hear somebody go that fucking movie those people open doors in that movie a lot. <laughs> Like, it's just the most, like, asinine shit I've ever it's heard. the most George Romero thing I've ever heard. And every time you see him, he's always looks like, it always looks like someone pushed him into a couch as far as they could, and then he was like, can you hand me a cigarette, please? Jesus. I love George Romero. He's a very funny man. So, she goes, what's her name, Michelle? Yeah, Michelle goes to Emily's house. Yeah, Michelle goes to Emily's house, but she's, like, outside. It looks like she's at a cafe or some shit. <laughs> Right or or a gas station possibly I'm not sure it looks <laughs> it looks like the outside of a of a diner yeah it says like cafe whatever have you and I'm like okay so she's meeting her friend for she teleports to fuck the cafe in the car and um, she's like hey are you coming with us on a trip or whatever and she's like yeah and she's like okay we'll pick you up bye and then that's the scene. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, why the fuck was that even there? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Well, well, the only other thing of importance in that scene is you get, like, Emily talking about her abusive husband a little bit, and Michelle kind of, like, comforts her, but clearly... Barely! If, any, if, if anything's clear in this film, they're, like, best buddies. I think you're making that up, because I think she's like, how you doing? And she says, okay, and she goes, not great, and she goes, no, and that's it. Well, she grabs her hand. Yeah, but... That's not explaining that. We haven't even met the boyfriend yet. Yeah, yeah, maybe you're right, actually. Maybe I watched the trailer before this and I'm mixing this shit up in my head. <laughs> I deliberately avoided the trailer because I didn't want to have any anything spoiled. And Oh, man, I'm so glad I made that decision. Oh, no, wait, I did watch the trailer. Never mind, because I remember that. The, I remember the knife. Yeah, oh, the, oh, God, the money shot. So... Um, so she's at this cafe and there's just like this awkward ass shot. It, it just, it's about to cut and like there's, there's awful slow-mo in this movie. Um, if you're going to do slow-mo, make sure that it's half decent because this is just like painful shit. So like I'm watching something that's shot at a certain frame rate that shouldn't be, at in at slow mo, like it's slowed down even more, so it's all like stuttery, and we get this a lot, and it's just like lingering on this Emily girl, and then it's just hard cut, and I don't know, it's just I don't need it. It just it just looks like shit. <laughs> then we cut back to uh, Francine, who I may have called Veronica previously. Whoever's count- keeping count at home, <laughs> you know. Whatever. She's trying to take a dump and fucking camera woman's like following her around. She's like, come on, let me fill me in the bathroom. She's like, leave me alone. What the fuck? I'm trying to shit. Let me in the bathroom. I have a camera. Why? Why are you so attached to this? Like, go and let her poop. She needs it for her Instagram fucking live TV. Yeah, but I thought she was like, I thought they were like together for a second. Like, hey, I'm going to come in here with the camera, get naked or whatever. Let me see you pee or whatever. I mean, they might be. I mean, nothing in the movie tells you that they aren't. So 
maybe? I guess. I don't know. I mean, at the same time, this is so not weird because um, at both animal hospitals I've worked with, it's been predominantly girls. And for some reason, they have just no qualms about just, like, going to the bathroom in groups of two to four. I don't understand it. That's that's fine. But, like, do they have their cameras out, though, Connor? No, they don't. That's the difference. <laughs> it's, it's usually there is some kind of form of moral support. We're making a film for entertainment, okay? And... I just don't understand the logic of the scene. Like, hey, you know what? We need a fucking scene where the girl's going into camp. She's trying to get into the bathroom with the other girl. It's going to be fucking hilarious. Here we go. There is a lot of creepy, like, <laughs> like pervy stuff in this movie. <laughs> yeah, but, like, it doesn't go anywhere. Like, it's no. stupid. Was the thought process maybe that they were just trying to show a bunch of scenes of them in their daily lives so you could, like... Oh, yeah, I relate to these people, but, like, it's not effective at that at all, so it's just a meandering 30 minutes. Basically. This movie starts, like, four fucking times. I relate to these four blonde Beckys. I don't know. (laughs) I'm sorry. One's brunette. (laughs) Then we cut back to Peter and Emily's house. You know, another cut between another scene. There's a lot of weird cuts in this movie. Like, a scene happens for 30 seconds to, like, two minutes, and then it goes back to another scene for 30 seconds, two minutes, back to another scene. It's weird. You gotta kind of see it to believe it. It's very choppy, like, jarringly so. So so Peter's sitting there with his two... Let me tell you something about these fucking friends of his. <laughs> oh, my God. This guy is the ultimate douchebag. He's like Uncle Sam-level-like piece of shit. But this broy guy... Oh, my God. I wanted to jump through the screen and choke this guy to death. His friends are bad, but I will say this movie does a good job of making Peter immediately detestable and just outright awful. And I was like, I want you to die right now. Yeah, but like, okay, there's a way to do things and then there's a way to do things. And there's just so much contempt for women in this scene that it's just like... Oh, this movie is, is very uncomfortable at times. These, these are the kind of guys that are like alpha male that think like people like us are fucking losers. Well, th- this movie is very... Whatever message or tone is trying to convey, it's completely... It's it's all over the place because at the same time you have scenes that just are filled with, like you said, just contempt for women and just lots of kind of like extreme men's active men's rights activist stuff you'd see on the fucking the, the bowels of 4chan um yeah and then but then the, the end of the movie is like oh girl power we we beat him up or something i don't know i don't know what you're what the director was going for here but it's like over the fucking head ham-fisted shit yeah no it comes off as and actually another comparison to friday five i have is and, and the vibe i was getting from it and i can describe it as smutty is what it is it's gross and that's i don't like friday five because friday five has a, a level of sleaze to it that i don't really enjoy anymore and this is this really gives me the same feeling i i don't know like these guys are talking like i don't know anybody who fucking talks like this all right and and if I did, those days are long gone when back in high school kind of shit. This is the kind of crap you see on Twitter, like from from uh, from fucking lunatics. Yeah, that's yeah, locker room talk, man. Come on. Yeah. Ah, grab a bite of pussy kind of shit. And it's just like, man, I get it. You're trying to establish that these people are fucking scumbags or whatever. But like, I don't know. It, it, the way that it's written sounds like he feels that way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. However, however, this is this is counterweighted by uh, the fact that every time Peter is shot in, in certain sequences, it's done hilariously. Yeah. Is this a sequence where he, he's just sitting in the chair and does it? Oh, no, it's not this yet, but it's coming up. Well, he is sitting in the chair and, like, uh, wife and uh, one of her friends, I forget which one, is there. And basically they're picking her up to go on this trip. 
and he's sitting there in the in this fucking this big easy boy chair and he's got his two friends talking about their sescapades and he's got like 20 Heinekens just on the table in front of him yeah. and no one's commenting on it no and he's like he's the one guy's like yeah man i went over to this chick's house and like i left the toilet seat up and her she fucking fell in and i was like what's your problem bitch you're fucking stupid should have looked first and then i fucked her sister man and then peter's like Oh, yeah? How was it? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so glad that was your impression of it. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, man. Well, you ever see American Pie? It wasn't like that. It wasn't like fucking a pie. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Who the fuck wrote this shit? Like, it's not even good, bad shit. Meanwhile, his Peter's wife is just standing there, and she just, like, walks in the room like, disturbed by the conversation yeah she's like eavesdropping from the kitchen and then passes by as if she heard nothing and she's she like walks in because she was out she okay she was out to a cafe because she comes in and, and he's like hey where were you and she's like i was at the cafe with michelle and she's and he's like did you bring me any food and she's like no and he's like well next time you better bring me something because i'm a fucking jerk off and she's like Okay, and just like stares at him. So you're, you're supposed to cater to my every need, every waking second of my adult life. Is this Gunnar Henson speaking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Gunnar Henson. Sorry, Gunnar. I'm a real dick. No, don't. Yeah, you're right. Don't sully Gunnar Hansen's name with this piece of shit. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It was it was her coming back from the cafe. I thought the, the next scene they go to pick her up. Yeah, but see, this would have worked fine. I, I could have been like, okay, this guy's a real scumbag, and you can kind of use your imagination, but instead we have, the again, we have like this five-minute monologue of these guys just being fucking disgusting. Yeah. No, definitely. And if this sounds confusing, that's because it is. Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah, so so then they, they leave. Oh, okay, I, I want to bring this up because I think there's a, it happens here. So in select sequences, to illustrate to the dumb, dumb audience that this uh, director clearly, has, uh, clearly also has contempt for, uh, to tell us that Peter's really evil, uh, in certain scenes he has a big, giant red spotlight shown directly onto him. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> well, it happens in slightly... Uh, it goes from extreme uses to something, something a little more subtle. Uh, and I think it's just the lighting here. Uh, it gets a little more ridiculous as it progresses, though. I think you're right. There is, like, a red light coming in. Yes. And it's nowhere else in the scene with people five feet away from him. So, all right, uh, Sean, where the fuck do we go from here? <laughs> what what hard cut do we go to? So I think it's either the next day or later in the same day. That's right. Uh, so Michelle and the other girls go to pick up Emily... And then I guess they're going to bring her back to their house and hang out for a bit before they leave for this camping trip. So, first they get in the car and Michelle's like, check your seatbelts. They're all like, ah, thanks, Mom. There's like a minute of them going back and forth with each other. Oh, God, not a single joke lands. No, and they're just fucking fucking crashing and burning all over the place and it's like can we just get to the next thing and then she fucking turns on the magic school bus and all of a sudden they're fucking in front of what's her face's house because they don't even pull out of the fucking driveway everybody in this movie has fast travel clearly emily does guys as we'll discuss shortly oh my god just real quick before we get into this uh this particular scene like i said before this movie starts like four fucking times and we were like, we're introduced to all this bullshit. Now, this is like the first, what, 30 minutes? Give or take. I don't know. Some shit. This all happens in about a 20-minute block. And this 20-minute block feels like 40 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so the whole point is they're going on they're going on a trip to, you know, they're going camping. And Michelle 
meets Emily at this cafe and was like, oh, we'll pick you up later. And she's like, okay, great. And then they go to pick her up. And then this this scene happens, we're going to talk about, but I just want to, real quick, uh, they go to pick her up, they end up not picking her up, they end up going back home, and then it turns into nighttime, <laughs> and then they leave the next day, and I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck? We'll keep talking about that, but right now, all right, let's get back to, uh, the, so they're pulling up to Emily's house to pick her up later that night from the cafe day. Right, So so Emily comes out, and I don't even know if she even has a backpack, she just has like a purse. And, you know, they're like, oh, great to see you. I'm so happy you're coming. It's been forever since you've come and, you know, gone camping with us. It's been a few years. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm excited. And then here comes big boy Peter from behind. Where where are you going? He looks like fucking Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's what he looks like. (laughs) He's got got this big, like, oddly shaped head, and he has, like, the grossest hair I've ever seen in my entire... What is on his head? I don't know. He looks like a shit stain, this guy. He looks like... He looks like, um... He has that fucking product from, uh, Coming to America in his hair, but, like, an entire bottle's worth. He has soul glow? He looks like a wet fart, this guy. (laughs) So he walks up, he's like, Hey, where do you think you're going? And she's like... I'm just going camping with my friends or whatever. Even though my bags aren't packed, I'm just kind of standing here. And uh, Michelle gets comes over and she's like, she's like, hey, you get you ready? And he's like, oh, you're not going anywhere. You're staying home with me for the weekend or whatever. And Michelle's like, fuck you, Peter. You're a dick. And he's like, fuck you. You're a little slut or whatever. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, this is, this is where she calls him Big Boy Peter. He doesn't like that at all. Yeah, that's that's what prompts him to start using like some of those heinous cuss words someone can come up with. Yeah, because she's like, you can manage for the weekend. You're a big boy or whatever. And he fucking loses his shit. He takes that totally the wrong way. Of course. Emily tries to break it up. He's like, shut up. And then Michelle's like, you shut the fuck up. Listen, this guy's a little dude, and this is a big lady. Uh, so when she pushes him, he flies back like five fucking feet. Like, quite frankly, I would totally believe if Michelle fucked this dude up. I kind of wish she did. <laughs> she totally could have. He's fucking detestable, and she could have broken him in half. So what logically would happen next in your mind? What do you think they would do from there after the dickhead boyfriend gets put in his place? What happens after that? Oh, she goes with them. Yeah. But guess what? <laughs> she doesn't. Michelle oh, yeah, just runs totally back to the fucking car and drives away and leaves Emily there. Yeah, and Cameron Woman gives the finger as they fucking drive off. They came there to pick her up. What are they doing? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Foiled again. We'll have to try next time. Well, see ya. Enjoy your beating. Maybe she'll answer a text. Are you coming or what? But we're not leaving today like I told you. We're leaving tomorrow because here comes nighttime. You're still coming, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> she keeps that information to herself, though. Uh, somewhere in between this is the uh, the gas station sequence I mentioned. I don't even know where the fuck this scene happens. I don't. I just remember this happening because it bothered me so much. That's part of uh, montage to the campground. What happens right now is he like comes in and Emily's like sitting at the table. And he's like, hey, what's the matter? And she's like, I'm sorry. He's like, it's okay. No problem. He's like, you know, those people aren't your friends or whatever. And he's like, yeah, why don't you go take a nap? You're my rock, babe. Now do as I say. And she fucking goes in her room and, like, sits there. And he, like, sits on the couch and has a beer. And then there is this awful, again, with this fucking slow-mo. Like, she's just sitting in her room and it's like a slow-mo shot for, like, a, a straight minute of her. Like, it's like a wide shot of her, like, sitting on the bed. And then there's, like, this flash And then it cuts, 
and I guess I guess it's like an epiphany that she has or some shit. And then there is another five fucking minute montage of her packing her fucking camping bag. Okay, this is what I'm talking about. We get such little exposition like we can't spend the time to establish shots of where the fuck we are or a coherent cut but here's a fucking scene that's five minutes long of somebody packing their fucking suitcase i have i i love the fact that this movie offends the the inner filmmaker in you because it's (laughs) it's such genuine outrage well you know what's you know what really pissed me off i'm an indie filmmaker too and I know it's hard. I know it's hard to do shit. But for fucking Christ's sake, know your shit. Like, know what you're doing. This movie looks and feels like something you would see on Best of the Worst uh, from Red Letter Media. And they are also indie filmmakers, but they also are well aware they're indie filmmakers. Uh, so their stuff has lots of cheeky self-awareness to it. Uh, this either does, and uh, it did so accidentally, maybe, possibly, I don't know, um, or it doesn't, and this guy is like, this is wonderful, it's, the, it's my life's work. It's totally fine, because you can come and you can make fun of anything I've made, and that's fine. I don't care. Ghost Cops on YouTube. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> have, have at it. Enjoy it. So from there, she so she packs her suitcase. By the way, it doesn't like intelligently pack her suitcase. She opens a single drawer and just starts cramming things into it unfolded uh, with no rhyme or reason. Uh, and she, I don't even think she brought a toothbrush or anything. She just brought like, for all she knows, she could have brought six pairs of sweatpants because she's not paying attention. This trip, this, this camping trip is premeditated. What the fuck? Why weren't you already packed? Why didn't we leave before? Why is this scene even here? Anyway, he so she packs her fucking suitcase. She walks out. Dude is pissed drunk, passed out on the couch, and she leaves. Now, she walks out to this dirt road. <laughs> this fucking scene. Oh, my God. It looks like it's in the middle of nowhere. And she just starts hoofing it down the fucking road to Michelle's house. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and she stops to look back at the house, turns around, starts walking, and then thunder Starts going off like in the distance. Okay, yeah, what were those fucking, those 1999 uh, After Effects lightning strikes? Yeah, it was like a lightning strike. I'm like, what the fuck? Why? So she's fucking hoofing it down this dirt road, and all of a sudden, boom, it's nighttime. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's the morning. She had a long fucking way to walk, man, I guess. I don't know what else to say. Because she starts walking, and the next scene is the camera woman waking everyone up with the camera, shoving it in their face, like, come on, we gotta get going. Unless she, unless this scene happened at 6 o'clock in the fucking morning and her husband was pissed drunk. I mean, it's a possibility, I guess. I don't think so. Because he's like, I gotta take a nap, or whatever. And they never transitioned to night. Unless they took a nap, maybe, but I doubt it. Or, or the way that it's edited, it looks like it's daytime, and then when she leaves the house... And starts walking down the road, then we cut to night, and then we cut to the next morning. Right. And then the movie starts again for the first time. <laughs> well, first you have this scene with Henry and his band of fucking goons finally finding their location, AF Field. Oh, yeah, that's right. This, these other fucking morons. Uh, I forgot about these people. <laughs> I already forgot about these people. <laughs> so did I. The B plot. So they get out of the car. You got Sally and Kim. Sally's the one that's with Henry. She can't get on Facebook to post a picture, and she's fucking going through with withdrawals. Frankie is helping Henry get some shit out of the car, and the entire time Henry's like, hey, you know Kim broke up with her boyfriend. You gonna try to fuck her or what? And Frankie's like, uh, uh, whoa. He makes a really bad joke about he's like, so you're gonna take care of, I don't fucking know, not Emma Roberts? (laughs) 
he's like, oh, we're here with these bitches. He makes like a gun like motion with his hand. He's like, whoa, what do you mean take care of her? I'm not going to shoot her. And he's like, no, man, I mean, take care of her. Like, this gun's your dick. Pow, pow, get it? Haha. Shoot her with your dick. And then Frankie's like, ah, shit, I didn't tell my mom I'm going camping. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't know. You have a phone? Text your mom. What's the big deal? Why are you even telling this asshole? See, no, he can't text because, um... The real star of this movie is the actual woods itself, because uh, it is the woods that you've seen in every single horror movie to ever exist. No, Connor. This is the Dark Forest. Well, it's got... Okay, it's its pseudonym for this movie. This Dark Forest is really fucking well lit, as we come to find out. I gotta tell you something. <laughs> Damn it. I wrote that down. Why is it so bright in these woods in the middle of the night? Bright forest. And yet nobody sees the bad guy coming. Oh, yeah, they do. They just don't give a fuck. Yeah, the bad guy who's wearing all white. Oh, God. There's definitely one shot in the movie that we'll get to shortly but uh where the fuck are we well we get this awesome rap song as they climb up a fucking hill <laughs> oh my god holy shit get off my island please it's my island this is my island it's my island stay off my island boy you couldn't pay me to put this in my fucking movie dude i had to look this up to make sure it wasn't a lonely island boys song okay because it sounded like fucking andy samberg it sounded so stupid you made me think of house of the dead for god's sakes i immediately after it ended, I was like, I threw it on the ground. Oh, it's like it's like zero hour, bro, bro. I'm on an island. Stay off my island. Watch out for Freddy Krueger. Yeah, watch out for Freddy Krueger. I'm like, Shao Kahn, I'll game you or whatever or some bullshit. It's somehow worse than Macho Man's rap. And Macho Man's rap lyrics include, I'm going to kick you in the butt and wash your mouth out with soap. Because that's macho, man. That's fine. That's my. He's talking about Hulk Hogan. Let Randy Savage do his thing. Yeah, he. you know what? Maybe he had a point. Maybe he had a point, Connor. <laughs> he should have washed out his fucking mouth. Maybe he'd still have a career. <laughs> that rap lyric has not aged well. <laughs> no. Maybe Hulk Hogan should not have said the N-word a bunch of times. <laughs> or it's aged really well, one or the other. <laughs> I don't remember where we are. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut back to Michelle's house, and everybody's waking up, and la 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 It's the last time we see the fucking stupid camera, because then it's just abandoned. They don't even bring it. It just it doesn't go on the trip with them. Well, there's this amazing shot of them like loading the trunk with all their equipment for the trip, and the one character just like closes the hood, and Emily's like standing right there, and she's like, oh my god! No, she's at the trunk, and right before that happens, she pulls out a hammer and goes, hey Michelle, it's your lucky hammer! <laughs> And then puts it back in the trunk, closes it, and boo, spooked ya. There's the fucking woman who's been walking all fucking night to this girl's house. And she's not like, she's not like, <laughs> she's fine. No, she's fine. She's cool. Creeping around. And none of them question it. They're not like, hey, how'd you get here? Hey, are you okay? Did anything happen with your fucking psycho fucking boyfriend? Did he beat you? Did he do this? Did he do that? Uh, are you okay? Just, hey, Nice to see you. Get in the car. <laughs> oh, cool. All right, backseat. So then this is the gas station. Oh, my God. <laughs> that looks a whole lot like Emily and Peter's house, but, you know, hey, what do I know? It does. So Michelle walks up to a gas station, and we're told it's a gas station because there's a sign with letters outside saying, like, fucking, yeah, it says, like, gas station and store with, like, those movable letters, and just one dude sitting outside with a straw hat and, like, piece of straw on his teeth and sunglasses, and as she walks up, he just goes, be careful out there, unsolicited, 
And then it shows Michelle stepping off frame, and then it fades into Michelle stepping back into frame. We never see the interior of the gas station. It's a fucking crossfade of the same shot. <laughs> Why? The inside of the gas station is the Black Lodge. No, no, no. You're not going to ruin that joke for me, Connor. We're almost there. We're almost there, and you got to say that. That's what I wrote down. That's what I wrote down, okay? It's still, it's still applicable to the other sequence, though. All right. And then we just cut to this fucking full-out montage of them driving girl time this should have been this right here is the beginning of the fucking movie okay they they all get together they get in the car and they go fucking camping we didn't need that 30 minutes of bullshit that we just saw that was the opening everybody notice how little happened nothing happens <laughs> welcome to our suffering and i don't i don't even know why this gas station sequence is here because this dude has no effect he has no presence in the plot um they don't show her getting gas. They don't show her buying anything. She walks up. She walks away. That's it. I guess she's supposed to be going to the bathroom, but who could care? Like, it's just, it's nonsense. Again, padding the movie. That's what this is. It's not even he's like the hermit from Friday 1 and 2. It's going to death curse. <laughs> yeah. You're going to Camp Dark Forest, ain't ya? I mean, unless maybe there was a scene with that, but it was just so poorly done. Even they were like, ah, oh, we can't use this. Oh, I don't believe I don't believe anything was actually ever cut from this movie. I think this is a fully realized vision. I'm going to agree with that. It's just kind of like, okay, well, we got some B-roll of this, and we really need to pad this out, so here we go. Even to go so far as to put this fucking crossfade of the same fucking shot in, I, why? There, There's somewhere in between all this nonsense, there's a sequence where Emily is talking to Michelle, because now they're, now they're all together in the same space, wherever that may be, and Michelle just starts, like, just unprovoked, starts going down memory lane, is like, Remember that time I made you jump across a dam and it cuts to Michelle, who just 404s. She just shuts down for a couple <laughs> seconds. And then finally looks and she's like, oh, it's my turn to talk. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if it's worth mentioning, but we just skipped over a spot where we cut back to the B plot. Oh, no, we need to talk about this. Okay. Hen- they've, they've got those like foldable chairs that you usually put like in a uh, like in a sleeve. You bring them to the beach or when you go camping. Fucking Henry's got this thing held up to his dick and he's like trying to poke Frankie with it. Hard cut to this thing in this girl's ass. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he goes for Frankie with it, and he goes right up to his girlfriend and starts poking it in her butthole. Okay, sure. How old is this guy supposed to be again? I don't know. He looks like he's fucking 35. I would say he's balding. He's he's definitely in his 30s. His girlfriend's just pissed that she can't get service. She, she yells at him for like a second, and it's just like, asshole. And then just goes back to trying to make a fucking Instagram post. He like picks up a radio, and he's like, he's like, hey, other guy. You, did you bring the batteries? He's like, no, you were supposed to bring the batteries. And he's like, oh, well, fuck, this is great. And he throws the radio into the woods. Well, he throws the radio <laughs> in the wood, but you never hear it fall. So I'm just going to assume that that was kind of expensive and someone off camera just caught it. Sucked it right into a black hole. The people who did this in post went as far as to add a neck crack foley to when Michelle wakes up in the beginning, but oh, they can't... Oh, okay, I noticed this too. But they can't add foley of the fucking radio crashing into the bushes. Okay. Yeah, and quite frankly, if if you wait, if anybody wakes up and your bones crack like that, you need to see a doctor. Were you sleeping in a coffin? I was having weird dreams about my friend or something. Then, then there's the scene, and I have to mention it, we kind of skipped over, but I'm just going to jump back for a second... Right before the girls leave to go on their trip, before the gas station scene, they take a fucking picture of all of them together, like a selfie, and they have, like, this Instagram graphic come up on the screen, (sighs) (laughs) and they don't have it say, like, Michelle, or some name about, like, referencing one of the characters. It just says the name of the production company under the picture. 
Like, you couldn't fucking edit that out, man. Like, I could do that in five minutes in Photoshop, if that. Oh, dear God. I didn't notice that at all. Edit it out? You had full control of what it was going to say. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> like, what the fuck? You didn't edit it out. It's your fuck up. You did it intentionally. That was just very bizarre to me. Like, I don't know. What was that a inside joke for them? Like, or they just forgot? Like, it's very jarring. Well, it's like the Instagram thing. It appears on the screen, and then this, like, bad fucking hipster song starts playing over them as they're driving. This is the song I was referring to about the uh, about quitting your job and going to uh, live in a single apartment in New York and live off your art. <laughs> you mean you mean mom and dad's uh, inheritance? Trust fund? <laughs> yeah. I'm not really poor, but look, I'm poor. Yeah, so, go, so going back to the B team real quick, just to finish, like, Joe's point of bringing that up. Uh, initially... This girl, Kim, thinks Frankie's, like, a gross fucker and doesn't want anything to do with him. And then they're there for all of, like, five minutes, and he offers to go get firewood with her, and then she's, like, immediately, like, turned on by the guy. That's kind of strange. Yeah, she thinks he's gross, and then she suggests it. Because the guy because the guy who throws the radio is like, fuck, all right, we'll start the fire, I'm hungry. And he's like, where's the matches? And she goes, I don't know, up your ass. And he goes, no, they're up your ass. And then he turns to the other guy and goes... Oh, we're, you're going to make the fire? And he's like, that's your job, not my job. Like, instead of diffusing the situation between the fucking moron and his girlfriend and just being like, all right, sh- just shut the fuck up. I- I'll make the fire. You know what I mean? Uh, and then other girl is like, oh, you want to go get some firewood and I'll start cooking even though I can't start cooking until the fucking fire is made? And he's like, uh, yeah, sure, okay. Well, they, they walked, you know, the other group of people, the girls, they walk up to the... um to where they're going to camp and just happens to be within, you know, walking distance of the, the other people. But anyway, earshot of the fucking of the other people's camp. So they get in there, they set up their camp stuff. And uh, the one character, she has this little like kids fucking like fold out chair and she's squeezing into and they're all looking at her like she's fucking crazy. That's that's the kind of comedy we're working with, folks. And it's just got this awful fucking music playing over it. And it's just five minutes of them mucking around. Why? I don't need it. Like, I just don't, it doesn't need to be there. No. And, you know, Connor, uh, you joke about the Black Lodge, but now is our really, <laughs> now is our Black Lodge moment, if there ever was one in this movie. You Here cut You cut to Peter, and he is just fuming with this red light that Connor had mentioned previously, <laughs> just on him, and it's like, I, I don't know what it is behind him, if it's just like a pattern or bugs or some shit, like it's Amityville for like five seconds, but this guy is just... Sometimes my arms bend backwards. See you again in 25 years. <laughs> now I just want to watch that. Why am I not watching that right now? I, I Funny thing is, I have been watching it because apparently I'm I'm sub, I'm like somehow mind-warping everybody in Phantom Zone to start watching it. I don't think Arlen's having a good time. Oh, no. Arlen loved it. Oh, did he really? So much. And I thought Hunter he hated was also it. in love with it. One, one final note on that. The character of Anthony cracks me up to no end. But anyway... Oh. Oh my god. Okay. This is where the movie broke me. Uh, I lost I lost control. I laughed for about two good minutes. I had tears rolling out of my eyes because it lingers on this shot of Peter as like the previous scene of the sunset like kind of fades into his face and the sun's his fucking third eye. All of his chakras <laughs> yeah. are fucking aligned. Um, and there's this red wavy filter over the screen and he's just sitting there like just clutching the fucking arms of the, so- the love chair and this dreading, this, this tension music is building and the red light is getting more intense like there's fucking filters being dropped in front of him and then it cuts to his friend. No filters, no red light, no music. And he goes, hey Peter, you okay? And then it cuts back <laughs> to Peter who is also still in full red filters and he's like yeah I'm good 
And then they start plotting, and they're like, <laughs> yeah, let's go fuck those bitches up. And I'm like, what? And then he's like, yeah, we're going to go smash her nice car or whatever. I don't know how his two friends misinterpreted, let's go fuck those bitches up. Like, that's clearly a statement of violence. Yeah, and then Peter's like, let's go gut them. I'm sorry, he says, uh... <clears throat> Let's go cut those bitches. Oh, oh yes, there you go. <laughs> with his uh, with his plastic knife. A plastic knife. Oh my god. It's a fucking toy. He picks that thing up, and I can tell. For, like, first of all, they do a close up, like way too close for how terrible this knife looks. I was like, that's a toy. That's a Halloween prop. That's something you get in a bag that you get when you buy a costume off the shelf at a store. Okay. I don't think continuity is a big deal in this universe. So why don't you just get like a real knife for the close up shot? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And then get the prop knife for, you know, all the other shit. But nope, it's a prop knife the whole film. Well, then before you get to see what they're going to do, it cuts back to the fucking people back camp again. And they're talking about how, oh, none of them have gotten laid lately. And they're making a bunch of fucking dust jokes. And, oh, you got cobwebs in there? Ah, man, like, when's the last time you got laid? Like... Okay, I, I get that maybe this is what some people talk about on their spare time, but, like, why is this the only type of conversation during the entire movie? Make it interesting. This isn't interesting. This is stupid. Right, right. Also, it's nighttime. <laughs> it's nighttime again. Again. <laughs> this movie takes place over five days. There's this weird part of this whole monologue where the guy with the law, the guy that was going to get the wood from from uh, the B-plot is, like, right by... These chicks. Oh, right. I completely forgot about that. For whatever reason. And he like pulls out his like flip phone and takes a picture of them. He's like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. Okay. This is so confusing because like this guy must have every kink in the world to walk up to a bunch of girls who are in like coats, sweatshirts, long pants, sitting in unfolded like fold out chairs in front of a fire talking about whatever. Um, with their backs facing to him, he's like, oh, yeah. Either he has, again, uh, very strange kinks, or or he's a virgin and has never been with a woman in his life and never will. What was he, like, cranking his hog before they heard him <laughs> take the picture and he had to, like, pull his pants up real quick? Is that why you got the hell out of there? Instead of being a normal person and be like, oh, sorry, I scared you. We're camping right over there. I'm Frankie. Nice to meet you. He runs away because his fucking Nokia track phone has the loudest snapshot sound effect you'll ever hear. <laughs> Yeah, and they're like, who's that in the bushes? Is that a bear? Is that a bear in the woods? Emily's like, it's not Bigfoot, is it? Oh, my God. We're going to get to it. The fact that you said we're going to get to it after I made that comment is disturbing. Yeah, yeah. The whole fucking scene is so stupid. Anyway, (laughs) like, but this scene doesn't make any sense. Why is it here? I guess just so they get freaked out for a second. I don't know. That's dumb. (laughs) This guy's, like, so far off base, like, where the fuck did he go to get wood? You know, he went across the fucking forest. Now it's nighttime. I don't know. It just doesn't make any fucking sense. It's it's nighttime, but you can see everything because there's a gigantic spotlight on every sequence in the woods. Everything is so clear and bright. It looks like a fucking closed set. But it's not lit in a way that's, like, uh, dynamic. It's just like, okay, everybody stand in front of the tree. We're going to blast you with this fucking light, and we're not going to put any other lights in the back. Yeah, like, not to to make this comparison, because to do so would almost be insulting, but, like, Fury Road conveys nights by hitting you with blues and purples. So you understand that, like, what you're looking at is dark, but you need to see it. And a lot of the movies handle it that way. This movie just goes with the idea of, like, just dropping a giant fucking, uh, like... 
just massive lighting equipment right in front of everything you're seeing, and you can make you can see trees a hundred feet back. Yeah, but there's uh, again, like there's no there's no other lighting except that main light. It always looks like you're looking into like um like a di- a diorama. Like everything looks like you're looking into a box. It looks like if you shine a flashlight in the woods. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. And people have flashlights in this whole in the rest of the movie. But the, in blaring fucking v- vivid lights, they have like these little blue fucking flashlights. It's so silly. Like, why wouldn't you take advantage of the creepiness there and film it a little bit darker, set some fucking mood lighting, let them use the flashlights, make it creepy, they're running from the dude or whatever, but that never happens. No. Instead, you get a story from Michelle about a guy she needed, fucking little Bernie Lomax here. I think this is a fucking story that really happened to the director. It's gotta be, right? It's gotta be, right? What was this story again? It was stupid. Is what it was. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> she basically Michelle went on a date with this guy Bernie, and you, somehow they, they got it's like pulling teeth to get this story out of her. But she says, "Oh, you know, he took me to a coffee shop, and then we went to the movies, and he never called me again. I don't know." And when I asked him what he did for a living, he's like, I'm a director. Check me out on YouTube. On fucking YouTube. They're like, did you ever look it up? And he's like, they're like, she's like, oh, I never looked it up. Eh, well, whatever, man. I can't believe I haven't brought this up yet, but at this point in the movie, see, what we didn't say in the to begin with is that this movie is from uh, Canada, which is why my introduction is the way it is. Uh, and much in the same way that by the time you get to the end of Werewolf, uh, everyone's accents have completely gone off the rails. <laughs> In this movie, everyone gets progressively more Canadian as time goes on. Oh, they do. Well, the second they broke out that fold-up Canadian flag chair, that was it. Game over. You barrel into full-on, he's sorry about that, man, like, within 40 minutes. I don't know what they're going to do about it. Yeah, sorry about that story. Oh, man, my camera's in your face, man. It's like watching an episode of fucking Goosebumps. Don't insult Goosebumps like that. Well, because all the kids are Canadian actors. Are they really? I didn't Uh, know that. Yeah. So that, so then we, we do another cut over to the B team. There's a whole lot of back and forth here. I, I hate to keep bringing that up, but it does become very jarring at this point. You would think that any other movie would have these group of, groups eventually kind of like meet up and kind of start to co-mingle as like people who are in the same crappy situation who could work together, but no. Well, they had a golden opportunity and they fucking just decided to let it go. They don't have any matches. Why wasn't he like, oh, maybe those girls over there have some matches? Exactly, exactly, Joe. Instead, he takes a picture of them and then leaves. Okay. Well, he's a fucking creep. What is he, at that point, once he takes the picture, he's got to zip up and run away before they check his phone out and be like, huh, what the fuck is this? So he, so he goes back to his group, and they're all just sitting around. Somehow they figured out how to light the fire. Wait a second. <laughs> they, the girls, he runs off, and the girls fucking go over there. They're like, oh, my God, what is that, a bear? There's a fucking bear out there. Oh, God, I forgot about that. And they're yelling at it, and she's like, are you a bear? And the other girl turns to the one and goes, Bears don't speak human, or animals don't speak human. Yes, English, the human language. Yes, and then she goes, <laughs> do humans speak animal or some shit? And I'm like, go go on, go on, get off get off the screen, get off the screen, let's cut to something else. The whole point of that was just like, they keep talking about these these bears because there's we have a fucking 15-minute conversation about them in about 10 minutes. I forgot the entire conversation about bears. I'm going to I'm going to drop it down on you. So so Frankie's telling the story and you kind of get like the tail end of it only. He's talking about 
oh, the maniac in the back seat. He's like, yeah, you know, it was this guy that chopped up people in the back, you know, he hid in the back seat. This was like, uh, someone was like, hey, Frankie, don't you read those scary books? And he's like, yeah, here's the most generic urban legend you'll ever hear. Yeah, and, and when he says, yeah, Kim's like, oh, I like scary stories too. And he's like, huh, really? And then, and then, uh, Henry's girlfriend, Sally, is just like, oh, Henry, maniac in the back seat. Is that why you always look back there when we go out at night? And he's like, no. And he looks, like, all scared for a second. It's like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah, they're, like, referencing, like, the actual scary stories, like the Stephen Gamble, uh, scary stories. And, like, or not the Stephen Gamble. Who wrote those? Stephen Gamble illustrated it. Anyway, the one chick's like, yeah, my favorite one was a guy in the back seat. The murderer in the back seat. And the other fucking chick goes, well, what was it about? <laughs> and they both turn to her and go, a murderer in the back seat. That's based on uh, fucking high beams, isn't it? High beams. And it's a, it's a creepy story. Yeah. Because, you know, of the wide lore of, uh, of, of scary stories that they could have uh, inserted in there. For the yucks. Yes. Scary. You know, murderer in the back seat. I wonder where they're going to go with this. They cut to a random couple we've never met before in the back seat having sex. Are they, though? They're fully clothed. Oh, they totally are. The first shot from, like, really far away is the guy on top of her making a comment about how her lipstick tastes like uh, citronella oil. Citronella oil. What is this fucking mosquito? She's going to kiss the mosquitoes to death. Someone does make a comment about mosquitoes. They got hot dogs in the back seat. They're fucking <laughs> crunching it up. Yeah, yeah. Ew. Hey, give me your fucking hot dog bun. I just want to note again with the editing on this. So... The guy, the girl, our B team is like the 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 one girl is like, hey, tell me a scary urban legend story, and he's like, okay, I got one. So it goes like this, and then immediate hard cut to this couple, and I'm thinking like, is this him telling the story? Oh my god, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I was super confused because I was like, is, I was like, who are these assholes? I was like, is he like gonna tell the story, and then they're gonna like cut back, and then then be like, oh my god, that was scary or whatever. That doesn't happen. So, so, so they finish, and Anthony is the one guy's name. Apparently, I don't think they ever mentioned the girlfriend's name. He pushes himself off of her, and he is fucking wiped out. He's he's sitting there like putting a towel to his forehead. He's like, "Oh man, oh, I need a nap." They hear a fucking twig snap outside, and she makes him go out. And he's like, "Oh no, I'm not going out there, man." She's like, "We go back to your place after this." He's like, "Round two. All right. Why were they out there in the first place if they just go back to his house? Why was that an option? Exactly. And he fucking goes, he, he like, she's like, go check it out what that was. And he's like, no, I'm too tired. It looks like he's going about to fucking fall asleep next to her in the back seat. If the end result is go check that out so we can go back to your house, why does he have to go check? Just leave. I was thinking the exact same thing. Get in the fucking driver's seat and just leave. What are you doing? Put the car in reverse and go. There might be a reason why he didn't do that. You know, first he gets out, he puts on his beautiful track jacket, and he just stands there shouting. Doesn't even go to look, he just goes, I'm trying to get laid, man, come on! This scene takes forever to wrap up. What, what was he expecting, like, what was he expecting, like, Leatherface to be like, sorry, bro, and just leave? Like, <laughs> oh shit, I'm sorry, uh, uh, well, I'll leave you alone. We totally skipped over something that happened right before this, which I guess I just didn't write down because I was so appalled by it all. So... 
You have this scene with Peter and his two goons in his fucking garage. That's right. Oh, my God. And then they're like, wait, you're going to kill these people? And then the bro-y guy's like, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm out of here. And and you could tell this guy's unhinged at this point if you haven't figured it out yet. So you pretty much know this guy's going to be murdered immediately, and uh, he's murdered immediately. Pro tip, don't turn your back on a psycho with a knife. Uh, Roy and uh, uh, Ginger Kid probably could have overpowered this twig uh, and totally taken control of this situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the first time this guy's like, I'm going to kill somebody, I'd be like, dude, I'm, no, I'm leaving, goodbye. Cool, let me send a quick text, 911. Yeah, BRB with the cops. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Like, he's a, he only has a knife, I mean, he doesn't have a gun or anything, I mean, not to, you know, there's been plenty of horror movie characters that have just a knife or something in that vein, but like, yeah, come on, man, like... I get it once the one guy's like 86, the other guy just doesn't want to even fuck around with that idea. But, dude, he kills this guy Anthony. He slits his throat because the fucking car won't start and the guy gets out to fuck with it. And he, you know, he, they, he kills the woman in the car. He takes like, uh, what did she do? He takes the blade and gets her like in the throat or something. It just, yeah. he, he, he you don't see her, him stab her. He stabs the camera, which then flashes red. Well, then she, like, falls out of the car, and she has her throat slit, and Roy is, like, watching her die. By the way, she she gets stabbed in the, dri- in the passenger seat, and then I think the next cut of her on the ground is next to the driver's side door. She completely shifts lo- uh, positions. She's in the front of the car. Right, she gets in the front when the car won't start. No, 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 no. He slits her throat or stabs the camera and she ends up with a slit throat and then she's just on the ground in front of the car. Yeah, like feet from the actual vehicle. And it's and we just get there in one jump cut and it's like, okay. Right, so then so then Roy's watching and Peter like yells from the the driver's seat like, "Ah, come on. Come on, Roy. Let's go." And it's like, "Dude, he's he's trying to process a murder." Uh, maybe give him a second. No, okay, okay, but but my whole point of like going through that series of events the way I did is why didn't one's fucking Peter's driving this car if Roy was that concerned about a situation? Just grab the wheel. I mean, I guess you're going down with them, but at least no one else has to die. Also, like these people were only here so uh Peter could have an actual body count. Yeah, they don't. He there's first of all, there's no practical reason for him to kill these people. Uh, no. It doesn't really serve the plot, and it doesn't nope. do anything for the actual film. It questions why anyone would associate themselves with this dude in the first place. Because right. if he's that willing to just go murder people on a whim, why why isn't he in prison already? Well, and, and this guy who gets killed here, he 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 gets out, and has the hood open on the front of the car, trying to get it to the start, and then magically Peter gets in, and it starts immediately. Was there a scene cut where he made it work, or is it just a coincidence? Question, why didn't they just take their car from Peter's house and drive to the campground? Why, what is this, like Connor said, like... Does he have a car? I don't, I, one of them has to have a car, no? Maybe not. Maybe neither of them have a car. Maybe that's how he keeps an eye on Emily. I guess. You know what, maybe, maybe it does work like Skyrim, and maybe you can't fast travel when there are enemies nearby. (laughs) That's what you know. What that's why Emily walked. Gotcha. <laughs> At least halfway down the road, right? She couldn't use. Yeah, she couldn't use fast travel until she was away from combat. She saw the thunder down the road and she was like, "Ah, fuck, dragons! I gotta get out of here." Yeah, but like, I totally agree, Connor. Like, it's just like this. These kills are here for literally no reason, and. This is the beginning of the problems for me because it's like we are killing everyone except the people that we're out to kill, and that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever also like it's we always get excited when uh the red stuff starts flying but it this movie has very weird gore effects like the throat slit 
is kind of looks like CG, but very cartoony and kind of two di- two dimensional. And then it cuts back to him like coughing up what's very clearly just red corn syrup. It's all thick and gross and just dis- kind of sticky looking. Uh, and blood does not really have that texture. You know what I don't need? CGI blood on the camera. Especially when it's a different color and different like texture than the actual blood you're looking at. It's a fucking filter. It doesn't work well. If it's not in the budget, don't do it, okay? So then we just... (laughs) So these poor fucks die, and they take the car, and they drive away, and then it smash cuts back to fucking uh, the the B-plot, and this guy is just starting his fucking story. So... Right before this whole car scene, this guy's like, all right, here's the story. And then this scene is like 10 minutes, and then it's over, and then we cut back to them, and he's like, okay, here's the story. And then the guy did the thing, and he took a brain and some livers out or something, and then he went to jail, and then he died in jail (laughs) or something. He choked on his own tongue. Yeah, choked on his own tongue. Like, okay, I guess. (laughs) What the... Whatever. Why? Well, it was a story about Gene Simmons, so, okay, come on. <laughs> or Raw Head Rex, you know, take your pick. The audience once again looks over John Hurt, and he's like, I still had nothing to do with this. There is a plethora of urban legends on the internet. Like, you could have just picked one that, like, no, I don't know. I, it just, it, uh, sorry. Uh, maybe I'm just being super facetious. I just kind of gave them shit for just leaning on an old urban legend, but at the same time, you could make up something but you could also make up something that's interesting to hear about instead of just watching someone drone on in front of a campfire. Yeah, you know, create create tension. Right. I, I mean, the only point of him telling that story, honestly, is to freak out Henry and Sally so that they go to bed, except Henry just, like, sits by the fire, spooked, and then Kim and fucking Frankie just decide to go for a walk, I guess, um, now that she's really into him. Yeah, I guess. Well, well, Sean, it has been seven days. <laughs> They're actually on this set of Survivor. We just weren't told that. It might as well have. You know what's hilarious that you just said that? Like I was just thinking back to the to the first shot of them at at the beginning of the movie, and like three days have passed. <laughs> it really has since they were supposed to go on that camping trip. So yikes. Um. Yeah. So so they go on a walk, and they stop at a tree and they're kind of talking and Frankie just randomly is like, so what happened with your ex-boyfriend? Why'd you break up? And she's just like, yeah, I thought you'd ask me about that. Uh, it's kind of personal, but let me tell you all about it. She says something along the lines of, so, so I can't, you know, I was taking a shower. Oh my God. And my boyfriend came in with another woman and they started fucking and I came out of the shower and he said it wasn't him and I couldn't believe it. And, uh, that's my story. This also happened to the director. Yes. And he's like, and the guy's like, oh, that's that sucks. Uh, you want to make out or something? Like, just totally, like, goes in for it. But she's with it. And then she's like, you know what? This isn't, this isn't going to work at all. I don't like it. And mean, all the while, Billy, or uh, Billy. Billy. Uh, all the while. <laughs> Billy Bad. <laughs> yeah, Billy Bad's back there. Uh, Peter's, like, teetering in the woods, like, with his white shirt that you can see from fucking five miles away. He's got a fucking white shirt in the middle of a, of a very heavily lit forest. These people have no sense of situational awareness. They just... Well, it's a white shirt, too, covered in blood. He's an eyesore that you would notice. Yeah, you're gonna see him. So he walks up and throws a rope around these two? And chokes him to death against a tree. Yeah, he go. He pulls the old Walter White with the foot on the back of the tree. I would say it's also it's another uh, Friday Five thing. Yeah, 
Well, that's kind of like that. There's like a belt and like a wood thing. Yeah, it's a belt and his like his eyeballs or some shit like that. But like, the, it's kind of done. It's it's the same concept more or less. Yeah. Uh, except this time there were two people on the tree, which I don't think that's how that works. No, it's not how it works. First of all, and second of all, it's just again, it's one of those cuts where like he's behind them, and then it just cuts to him with the rope around their necks. Also, all these trees um, are the dinkiest looking trees uh, in existence. And I think the the pressure he was putting on this thing would have snapped the trunk in two. They're not they're not mighty pines. These trees they are. No, it's like a fucking birch tree, like a white birch. They're like little fucking dinky dink, uh, really fragile looking trees. And then he uh, strangles these two, and they fucking fall to the ground. And that's it. They're never spoken of again. Also, you know, like you were saying, this guy should sound like a killing spree now. Like completely just like I'm gonna fucking kill anybody I come in contact with yeah these people don't even affect the plot no not at all yeah nothing in this movie is done in service of the plot absolutely nothing well you know they die out in the middle of nowhere and then their neck getting snapped from the you know the pressure of the rope suddenly startles Henry from God knows where he is back at camp. Oh, well, yeah. what was that? <laughs> I forgot that happened from fucking half a mile away. He hears the sound of death, and and then he just goes to bed and fucks his girlfriend. Oh, and then it's morning. Why yeah. aren't we? Why aren't <laughs> we finishing night. this movie this night? <laughs> There's two more fucking days pass. Why? By the way, this movie's almost over, and we've been talking about it for longer than it actually uh, runs for. Yes, we have. So it's morning again. Instead of, like, Peter just going and killing these other two fucks at this campsite and then going to kill the girls. Well, no, you you do get one more night scene, actually. You get a scene where Fran and the camera woman get up for whatever reason. They hear, like, wood chopping or something, and they get out of their tent and... Emily and Michelle are nowhere to be found, and they start freaking out a little bit. And then one of them grabs them from behind, and they get super freaked out and like, "Ha We scared you! We just went to get wood!" And they're like, "Ah, oh, come on, man! That's not cool! Like, we already thought there were bears out here. Ah, oh, man!" Again with the bears. Oh, well, we're going to bed. And then there's this fucking shot of Ray. The Ray. Fuck me. <laughs> the shot of Peter, like. 100 yards away in the woods, and you just see this white t-shirt off in the distance that just, like, takes forever to step out of frame. It doesn't even step out of frame. Somebody went in there with After Effects and, like, faded him out or, like, masked him out of the scene. I don't know what they did, but it's fucking comical. But why didn't he just kill them? He takes a fucking break, like, an extended lunch break that lasts an entire day. He needed to refuel on Heineken. He he ran out of juice. (laughs) He's going to go steal some from Henry. Don't worry, he'll be back. He's got shit-tasting beer, too, as if he wasn't already unlikable. Okay, now it's morning again, and we cut back to the camp where we cut back to B camp, and the uh, the dude and his girlfriend wake up, and he's like, oh, I need a morning beer. She's like, can you get me one? He's like, nope, fuck you. I gotta go take a shit. And he, like, walks away, and then Peter... He gets bit by a mosquito. He gets He does get bit by a mosquito. Unfortunately, not a giant one. And he walks away, and then Peter comes up on... Oh, he's... Okay, this asshole has, like, a wedding ring. He treats his fucking girlfriend like a piece of shit, and he has the balls to be like, oh, I'm gonna marry this girl. There's, like, this shitty subplot with this guy, and he's got, like, a he's got like a wedding ring, and he's, like, reciting, like, he's practicing in the woods, like, oh, will you, uh, what is her name, Emily? No, not it. Sally. Sally. Uh, <laughs> whoever the, who fucking cares? <laughs> Sally, will you marry me? Sally, will you marry me? And then fucking... Peter comes up, 
And fucking's like, oh, that's so sweet. And he fucking cracks this dude upside the head with the fucking hammer and he's dead. Peter's got a sense of humor. It needs to be noted that the hammer he uses... It is heavily implied that this is Michelle's hammer that she has in her trunk, which means that Peter went to the car. Oh, my God. You're right. Stole the hammer. You know, at the end of the movie, I'm like, oh, of course, that's her lucky hammer. But how the fuck did he get the fucking hammer? Of course, it's her lucky hammer. Of course, it's her lucky hammer. Her lucky hammer. (laughs) Complete with VO. It comes with it. So he kills this motherfucker in the daytime. Like, why did? You, uh, why is this guy waiting until the next morning to kill these fucking people? Meanwhile, he leaves the he leaves fucking Sally at base camp just to be like hanging out by herself for an extended period of time. This woman hangs out all day into the next morning. She doesn't leave the campsite and doesn't. She doesn't act like anything is wrong. Like it's it cuts the next morning and she's like, uh, what is it? Uh. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. It cuts the following night. Yes. And she's like, this isn't funny anymore. What are you still doing there? <laughs> Why are you there? <laughs> yeah, and then a bunch of other shit happens, and it's morning, and she's still there. Why are you still there? So before that, she's like, I don't like practical jokes, and you clearly see Peter behind the tent, and I'm like, all right, here it comes. And then we cut to morning. Well, no, she walks into a fucking tree, and I guess he just thought that was so hysterical that he'd give her an extra day to live. He, no, she walks into the tree in the in the daytime, and then it cuts to fucking morning. So this is at night. Bill, uh, Billy, Peter's there, doesn't kill her. Then we just fucking cut right back into daytime again. Well, no, no, no. It is during daytime. She's walking in the woods looking for Henry and the other two that died the night before. And she walks into a tree like a dumbass because she's trying to look at her phone and not paying attention. Then we go back to, like, the main characters, if you want to call them that. And they're like, who's going to the beach? We're like, we're going. And this really cheesy fucking beach music, I guess I'll call it, starts playing. This is the reason this movie was made. This is... A super, super ham-fisted montage of girls in bikinis uh, splashing each other with water, tanning, uh, laying on the sand, all bunched together, doing ha-ha girly stuff uh, to this, like, obnoxious Girls Gone Wild-esque music. Why are we cutting between Sally and the river antics? Why? That's why I don't even mind that we're, like, all over the place with this movie because of how, like, I can't iterate how many times this movie cuts back and forth between different scenes. It's, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but it really is that bad. Like I said before, if this discussion sounds disjointed, that's because we're trying to piece together a movie that just has no idea what the fuck it's trying to do. And I watched this, like, two hours ago. Yeah. There's there's just, like, we're, we're on Sally. And we're like, okay, she's going to get it right in the fucking head with his hammer. And then it, like, does this slow fade into all the girls at the fucking lake. It has nothing to do with anything. And the song is about bouncing. I guess, you know, you can infer what that's about. Bounce your boo, 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 bounce your ass, boo, boo. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are we listening to right now? It might as well, they might as well just, like, just go on the low road and just went, like, ass titties ass and titties <laughs> basically that's what we're doing here it, it could have been that fucking scene from uh tim and eric awesome show where where they do the you know everyone's most handsome man and eric Wareheim just has this video of him just like looking into the camera going oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> that's what it should have been it, it would have been funnier anyway it's nighttime again now <laughs> so we've we've had a full two days you do realize that, right? Yeah, I mean, I've lost track of how many days there are, and I took notes. I mean, I, I don't fucking know how many days it's been. 
I don't know how many days I've been doing this recording, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> this is a full two days after her boyfriend was killed. Her best friend, um, I'm assuming, uh, an associate and her boyfriend have all gone missing within the last 48 hours, and she does nothing but pick up her phone and slam buttons. She just stands. She just stays at the campsite and assumes that she's being she's being pranked or something. So what is Peter doing for the whole day? He had to go to the, that that rec center where all the lost teenagers were, and, and then had to get really upset when he saw his son been cut apart with an axe. <laughs> I got two chocolate bars here. Do you want? I you know I could give you one. Come on, Roy, get your hands dirty. That was my son. God damn it. <laughs> That other ER, that other fucking ambulance driver is what's his nuts from the fucking Upworld. Oh, Kaminsky? <laughs> Come on, Roy, get your hands dirty. Come on, Roy. Look, I know he was eating a, ch- not a chocolate bar, but it's not as good as a Zagnut. Oh my god. Hershey bars are inferior. <laughs> anyway, so where, like Peter fucks off to whatever, he just disappears for an entire day and like allows this girl to sit there and continue to think that there's some kind of goof going on. I just picture him going to like Six Flags Great Adventure with this bloody shirt and like enjoying himself for the day. <laughs> He's like, ah, time to go back to killing. I had fun, but I'm gonna gotta do it. It's a montage of him like getting pictures taken in the front row of the All American Scream Machine, like him eating cotton candy and churros. <laughs> <laughs> The fucking strip photo like falls out of his pocket of like him and like his knife. He's got the knife to Roy's neck the entire time he's at the park. Set to like a fucking Pitbull song like Mr. Worldwide. Set to that awful rap song that's in this. <laughs> exactly. That makes two appearances by the way. So stupid lake scene, fake stalk scene to Sally and then all of a sudden it's fucking nighttime again. Two days have passed since her fucking boyfriend and the other fuckers died and here we are at night around the campfire talking about fucking bears and shit. And Bigfoot apparently. And then Emily drops some fucking Sasquatch shit on us. <laughs> they're like, oh, do you think there's monsters in the woods? And they're like, oh, you know, not like real monsters, but like, you know, what do you think? She's like, well, what about Sasquatch? She's like, is he a monster? Does he eat meat or whatever? Uh, Michelle's like, oh, uh, Emily has a story about Sasquatch or something. Uh, I heard it like five times, but, uh, you know, it's a good one. Go ahead, Em. Her uncle was killed by a Sasquatch. So I was out in the woods one day, and I was walking around. And then I was hungry, so I ate some berries. And I didn't realize it when I was eating the berries, but to my left was a giant dark mass, and I didn't know what it was. And then I looked up, and there he was, big Sasquatch himself. He was Bigfoot. I saw him. And then I gave him some berries. And that's my story. He kept asking me if he had seen the Hendersons, but I didn't know what he was talking about. No, he's looking for the crew from Boggy Creek, too, who are also off by themselves telling inane stories about Bigfoot. She ends the story with, like, you know, sometimes monsters really aren't monsters or something. So what is he supposed to be like, Frankenstein from Monster Squad? Like, what are you implying here? I got a way creepier vibe from the ending of that story because... We've already we've already established this movie has a very odd opinion of women. Yeah, and this sounds like um this sounds like an abuse apology. Like oh it's it's he's fought like this is the shit I hear from like people who will stay with like anyone in an abusive relationship and just make up an excuse for why they're st- why they're still there. I didn't even look at it like that. Yeah, it's really fucking weird. Uh, that's gross if that's the point of the story. I mean, I could be reading too much into it, like because. 
the story started out so fucking dull, I just started to, like, kind of tune out. But I heard the end of it, I was like, wait a minute, that sounds like the I'm too scared to say how I really feel uh, person from an abusive relationship. Roger Boyer's like, yeah, that's exactly what I meant by that Sasquatch story. Good catch there, Connor. Well, she tells this this touching fucking memoir, and then it cuts back to Sally, who you guys have mentioned is still hanging out there waiting for something to happen. And at this point, I guess Peter's had enough of playing games with her and just decides to punch her right in the face. Yeah, his day pass expired. He can't go back in. He's like, yeah, you know, they took my knife away at security, so I only got my fists now. Oh, wait, here it is. Ah, shit. It's in my pocket the whole time. <sighs> the next 20 minutes of this movie is nothing but is basically just Peter punching women in the face. Well, it's like he, he kills people with one fucking swipe of the rest of the movie. In this part, it's like, well, you know, we got to make this a little bit more interesting. I'm sorry. Did you did you just talk about the axe in this woman's head? We're going to. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I kind of glossed over it, to be fair. Why does it take so goddamn long for this to happen? I don't. No, that's what I'm saying. It's been two fucking days. Now we're we're at the we're at night. That, just, let's discount the two days. Like first, he somehow knocks her out. Like I think he punches her and like drags her into this middle of this clearing. It cuts to her like all days. It cuts to Peter. It cuts to Roy. It cuts to Sally. It cuts to Roy. It cuts to Peter. It cuts back to Sally. It cuts to an axe. Roy picks up the axe. If this sounds like an Old Spice commercial, congratulations. It's far more confusing. <laughs> And then, like, finally, he, he has the axe. Roy looks scared. Sally's still asleep. Peter has the axe. Cut back to Sally. Cut back to Peter. Axe to the forehead. Scene's over. Well, you know what? Honestly, Sally probably made out pretty good in that deal. She didn't have to feel any pain, and, you know, she gets out of the movie. And then Roy throws up. Roy throws up Coca-Cola. Oh, he throws up now? He's only seen how many people get murdered horrendously? Yeah, seriously. He's like, oh my god, I can't take it anymore, barf. I mean, honestly, as big as a douchebag as Henry was, like, he got a pretty brutal death. And Roy was right there, so I, I don't get how this one is the is the one that causes him to finally go over the edge. I don't know. I'm still waiting for Roy's face turn. It's coming. Yeah, the shortest face turn in the history of man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you thought it was a bad idea now? I'm just waiting for Triple H to do the thumbs down and drop his ass on the ground. His face turn is shorter than that. So where do we go from here? Another fucking dream sequence. But this time, the actual character that's in the dream is having the dream instead of the other character having the dream about the other character. Right. Yeah, no, the other character instead gets a tree branch dropped on her head. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, Peter sneaks up behind her and, and thwacks her with a fucking branch. Yeah, she gets oops upside the head, and then he's like, Emily, come out of the tent, baby. Come out, I got something for you. And she comes out, and she's got Michelle by the fucking head, and the other two girls are there, and, like, Roy is, like, seeing to them and he's just like he goes on for like five minutes about loyalty he's like you want to know how i got these scars oh he does it big time well he also had previously told this story to his buddies about his dog and his dad that's yeah that's why i bring this up because he fucking does a joker he changes his origin story three times yeah because in this shed he's like you know how i got this knife when my dad came home and caught my mom cheating on him he took this knife and he slit both the throats and then here he's like you know when i was a you wonder how i got this knife well my dad took my dog because i spilt his beer and broke its neck and said something some kind of bullshit like now the dog's not loyal anymore i gotta break its neck he's your knife Because you knocked over a beer and your dog, like, attacked this man who slapped you in the face, I'm only assuming, in self-defense, and he killed that dog, and somehow you you look up to this guy? Okay, sure. You know, I hate people like that, and I get that's kind of the point for the movie, the whole thing like, woe is me, my, my fucking, my father was a piece of shit and he beat me, so, like, I would never do that to my kids, but here we are. 
You're doing the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And Emily's Emily even said, she's like, well, why would you want to be like your father? Like, yeah, you went through some bullshit. She doesn't even go this deep into it, but this is my uh, thought. You know, you're fucked up from all that stuff. So, like, why why would you do the same thing? Right. Why are you feeding into it? Why are you letting yourself get this way? And he's just kind of, like, okay with it. He's like, hey, that's just, you know... I'm loyal to myself. I, I like. I don't know. I don't know what his logic is, other than he's just a crazy drunk. I don't know. That ship has fucking sailed because he's killed numerous people already. Oh yeah. But none of these girls die at all. They get punched in the face a lot. Yeah, that's. It's. Do you feel better because he doesn't get any of these people who nobody in this movie actually deserves to die? Like I don't. I don't like whereas like mosquito, I was like everyone in this movie is stupid and the concept is so far fetched. Who cares? Or just die. There's no supernatural elements to this movie. There's no there's no kind of extra curricular like spooky hard levels. It's just about a dude who's fucking just scary and psycho. That's it. He's just an abusive boyfriend. But question: Why aren't all these girls dead? Not that I want them to be, but logistically, from the movie standpoint, like... Right, I mean, he kills everybody else almost immediately besides Sally, who he stalks a little while, and then these group, the, these women, the the four that are together, the main characters, and he just kind of lines them up with Roy and is like, yeah, you know, I'm going to kill all your friends and there's nothing you could do about it. I actually like the idea of the villain in the movie just suddenly having his ass handed to him because, like, the last group of people left are like, absolutely not, you're not getting us, and they just fuck his shit up. That's awesome. Totally. It's just not executed well at all. It's like the ending of the new It. They're just like, fuck this noise. We're beating the shit out of you, clown. Yeah. Which was awesome. Well, that's the only way they can beat him. <laughs> that was amazing. I love that. that that entire sequence because it's like, no, like, through physicality, we're going to show you how not scared of you we are. And they just assault him. <laughs> awesome yeah and this and this it's like i don't really understand why you had these four survive because every up until now you've been following the slasher playbook uh you know beat for beat for beat including cars not starting and nobody having cell phone service by the way why does everyone's cell phone sound like a computer turning on i don't know i don't even mind that you know it comes down to the four of them you know making it through this you know banding together and you know taking care of business like i'm actually kind of into that idea it's just it, it it just doesn't seem realistic in the in the in the concept of like how he killed everybody else no problem and now this group of people that he actually wants to kill he's taking his fucking time and barely doing anything these people he wanted to kill so badly he decides to just fucking sit on his ass for two whole days and just not do anything about it exactly my point is he was gonna go kill them specifically right instead he kills a bunch of bystanders and instead of just stabbing them in their fucking tent he takes them out and then just goes on a fucking tirade about bullshit right and he get he gives roy enough time to have you know the the pre preordained uh face turn and as he's about as peter's about to slit michelle's neck uh with the knife uh, Roy just kind of jumps at him like, like a hero and knocks the knife out of his hand. But I was, I was going to say, like, I know I, I said I've, I've been dying for Roy's face turn, and I kind of, I, I was like, yeah! But then I thought about it, I was like, man, Roy, way to fucking drop the ball at the end there. You had two whole days to come up with a way to kill this dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, why didn't he just grab the fucking wheel? You had endless opportunities to get yourself out of the situation and you just fucking waited you were in the woods you could have beat him to death with a rock or hit him with a fucking heavy tree branch peter's also like 115 pounds if you just fill both of his pockets with like just a bunch of quarters and shit or something like that he's a <laughs> he's a fucking shrimp i don't really believe in real life violence like and i've never been in a fight before i feel like i could fucking hand peter his ass on a platter watch out for his knife connor he's gonna get you his dull thick plastic knife that makes a doink sound when it hits something well they run away while Roy distracts Peter 
and Peter is just like, Roy, what the fuck are you doing? And then immediately kills him. He like part sixes him in court style right in the fucking head. He distracts Henry by offering himself up as a victim. Like this guy didn't even try. Like he, he like here, just kill me. Yeah. Okay, let me let me lie down and let you kill me real quick. It's the quickest way out of the situation. Uh, and then everyone runs off. Well, I'm assuming they run off. They run off because Roy gives his little 15 second distraction, and then Michelle's like, Ah, you know, my keys are in the tent. Shit. So they run back to get the keys, and Roy's right there. Roy. <laughs> Peter's right there. He's like, You're an idiot. Why would you come back? I'm gonna kill you now. Of course, Roy's there. Roy's there forever now. Yeah, Roy is here. He's in our hearts. He's part of the scenery. <laughs> Peter just starts fucking punching people right in the face. The, the last. 10 minutes of this movie are an extended fight sequence, like, out of an action movie. Like, what? He goes full Ip Man. He literally knocks everybody out except Michelle. And then him and Michelle have this shit fucking face-off. My goodness. (laughs) It's, like, planned. Like, they're, like, staring each other down, and he's like, all right. And he's like, you know, he's, like, doing the Bruce Lee thing where he's, like, you know, swiping at his nose and... And he's like cracking his knuckles and all this bullshit. And he's like, all right, you ready? Somehow worse than the fucking Gorn fight from Star Trek. Like it's so slow and lumbering and dumb looking. And it's very obvious no one's making any contact with their strikes. Like it looks less convincing than pro wrestling. Previous to them doing this fight, he smashes her fucking head on the ground like 10 times. Totally fine. They get up. They start this stupid fight. He goes to punch her, misses and, and punches the tree. Let me tell you something. Your hand's fucking broken. Your your hand is destroyed. And also, you're going to be in tremendous pain. Well, he grabs Michelle, puts her in a headlock, gives her a noogie, and then smashes her face into a tree. And she just gets up no problem. <laughs> fucking like three times. Michelle is concussed, is pulling a Goldberg uh, a la Diamond Dallas Page and just not knowing where she is and just fighting back. Her fucking face is bashed in. Straight up. And she just has a bloody nose. Yeah, she's just like, oh, that hurt. Well... Coming at you again. Well, then she somehow gets her hands on this previously mentioned lucky hammer. Yeah, they, like, get into a fight, and they, like, throw each other to the ground, and she, like, knocks the knife out of his hand. And the knife is in the ground, and and she falls down, and she sees the fucking hammer that I guess he brought with him. And she goes to reach for the hammer, and he goes to reach for the knife, and she grabs his fucking hammer. <laughs> and the fucking echoey ghostly voiceover kicks in. It's like... Oh, look, Michelle, this is your lucky hammer. Hammer, 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 hammer. (laughs) Dialogue from early in the movie. She, like, whips around, and does he throw this fucking knife at her? Oh, yeah. Throws this knife at her. He throws this fucking knife at her, and apparently hammer beats knife because she just fucking whacks this motherfucking thing out of the air. And they're, like, three feet away from each other. Yeah, and also, like, it's because it's not filmed well. It's just a static shot of him, like, post-throw pose and her, like, on the ground having just swung the hammer as if it was two samurai who just ran each other in some kind of anime. Except it's in live action, lit poorly, filmed poorly, and with non-convincing actors. It's bad. This knife fucking hits a tree and goes, plink! Because it's fucking made of plastic. And then she hits this dude like three times upside the head with the fucking hammer. He's dead. Your skull is crushed. You're dead. You're dead. You're not getting back up. You're not. He's not Michael Myers. You know what I mean? He's not Jason (laughs) Voorhees. He's fucking little puny fucking Peter douchebag. So 
She's like, ah, oh, it's over. And she drops the fucking hammer. And she she drops the weapon. Of course. Trope number 342. Drop the weapon and walk away from the body that's not totally dead. Even though he he should be. She, like, walks away. She's, like, walking away. And you see him get up. And um, what is he, doesn't he, like, punch her again, like, in the face? And she, like, falls? He makes some kind of quip. And then, yeah, he does punch her in the face. I don't even know what he says. I don't remember. Well, then he gets this big fucking rock, and he goes to, like, hit her in the head with it, and then out of nowhere, I guess as the movie just decided that, well, yeah, remember Emily, the main character, we guess? She comes in out of nowhere and, like, hits him in the back of the head, and he falls over and drops this rock, and she picks it up, and she just starts beating him to death. Well, I guess the rock is his only weakness because that fucking hammer must should have did a number on him. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, just hit him with a rock, and he's down for the count. Then she takes his fucking knife, and she stabs the shit out of him in this awful, like, super cut of her stabbing him in the chest and, like, this CGI, like, blood, like, filling his shirt. Oh, you mean they just lowered the contrast or some shit on certain areas of his shirt, and that's really about it? It's like a really poor mask, like, on the shirt, and it's just, like, cut together super, super fast. Like, I caught it, though. Like, it wasn't fast enough, but there's, like, a scene where you just see the knife come down, and it stops, like, mid-frame. Like, not even, like, into him, and I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's the same kind of shot. Well, actually, it's... I can't tell if it's better or worse. Um, Because earlier, when he kills other friend, it's all just... Like off camera, lift knife, drop knife, lift knife, drop knife. For sure, but like you need, they needed to end it with this finale where like Emily's like stabbing him a bunch of times, and which she does, rightfully deserved. Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. I, I mean, I'm joking to a certain extent, but like, okay, yeah, yeah no, that it's is fine. The character that should be killing him. Yeah, no, for sure, that needed to happen. But that whole previous fight sequence was fucking bullshit. So, so then we get the ending of the thriller music video. <laughs> <laughs> Do, 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 do. You hear fucking Vincent Price laugh. She like hugs Michelle, or Emily hugs Michelle, and then like her her eyes are like looking at the camera and her pupils get really wide. And then I guess she's gonna be uh unhinged from now on, psycho killer question mark. Yeah, you know, in the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> no thanks. Another Friday Five parallel. Another Dark Forest. It ends in the exact same way as like as J- Tommy Jarvis donning the hockey mask and sneaking up behind what's her face. Uh, and you're left with the implication that he is now gone to the dark side. And both endings are terrible. Wait a second. So is the next installment he's gonna have Peter in a in a grave and Emily comes back and digs him up and brings him <laughs> back via lightning? Yeah, and she brings Michelle with her for moral support and she dies immediately. I thought I killed him, but I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this movie is the drizzling shits. And that's it, it's over. Yeah, and then credits. Yeah. Credits and that rap song plays. Get off my island, it's my island, I call it my island. <laughs> Before we get into our final thoughts, like, I just want to let you know, you know, because I always watch the credits and shit to see if there's like extra stuff or what have you. Anyway, I was watching the credits and it says camera A and camera B. And there was two other assistant directors to the main director. And I'm thinking to myself, where? <laughs> where is this in this film? With two cameras, you should have had more than enough footage to cover your bases. And it's just not there at all. So where are we putting this fucking thing? I know exactly where I'm putting this, but I'll wait till you guys tell me where you're putting it. Uh, this movie's a dumpster. It is It is very funny. Um, maybe not intentionally funny, but who? wow. Uh, it is a riot at some points. Uh, Sean said in the chat when that rap song came on, he almost fell over. Not an exaggeration either, believe it or not. Yeah, that is so jarring and so poor, uh, you can't help but laugh. And there's a lot of seconds in this movie where you just can't help but laugh because of how either blatantly inept it is 
or maybe there's some self-awareness there, like I've previously said. But this movie is also kind of dragged down by how tonally unsettling it is because of some of the stuff that flies out of people's mouth. So it's it's totally a dumpster movie. Yeah, this this one's in the dumpster for me too. Um, it's just not good. And like I understand it's an independent film, and I understand everybody I'm sure tried very hard. But there were things you could have worked out before you started rolling that camera that. Are apparent. You're assuming that there was a script before they even started filming. Yeah, but that's what it feels like. It feels like they were just like writing it day to day. Yeah, it seems like it. And every and every day they went back to writing. It just began with and the next day. I don't know. Watch a fucking movie for God's sake. You know what I mean? Study. Just watch. Watch anything. Any slasher movie takes place over the course of like maximum one to two days because when you stretch that kind of incident out for any longer it becomes completely nonsensical and unbelievable why would these people hang out in the woods two days after their friends have disappeared i have no idea see that's a problem too like okay fine you're gonna stretch it out over a couple days cool but like you're you're not keeping track of where your story's going uh so yeah this is this is in the dumpster for me um i'll never watch this again um i just don't need it i don't think it's it's not a very good movie. It's not a good independent movie. It's not really anything. It's just kind of bleh. It, it's, it's in the same category, and this movie came out in theaters, uh, as Venom. Venom's nothing. Venom is a nothing film. This is a nothing film. And they're both terrible slasher movies from the 2010s. Go figure. I'm going to go into my closet, get my hazmat suit on, and I'm going to get myself a <laughs> shovel. And I am going to climb into this dumpster. I'm going to open the lid and climb in with said shovel, and I'm going to start digging. And I'm going to dig as deep as I can fucking go, and I'm going to find that little spot that I put Monster in the Closet and Frankenstein and Bound, and I'm going to open it up, and I'm going to... There's going to be tears running down my face, and I'm going to say, Oh my God, these movies, what, what, what the fuck? What was I thinking? So I, so I take Frankenstein and Bound, and I just throw it in, like, another corner of the dumpster, but I take Monster in a Closet. I'm like, all right, you at least deserve to be on the top. Uh, okay. So, But then, you know, I take this movie, Darkest Forest, and it goes where they were previously, and that's where it stays. It's never removed from that spot. The other two movies, they get a bit of a break in retrospect. Uh, this movie sucked. Uh, I'm sorry. I really wanted to like it because it was an independent film, and I'm always rooting for this kind of shit to be fucking cool. Uh, I've... I, I don't know what else I can say. It's just not good. I I, I I feel bad for this movie. Sean's approach is basically like fucking Odin's dad from Thor 2. It's dangerous. Bury it deep. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree with that sentiment, though. I, I feel like they are trying in this movie. It just isn't working. And I ho- hopefully the next endeavor will be more fruitful and uh, better. I mean, the only way I could consider not putting it where I said I put it, you know, get a re-edit. Get rid of some of the music, and then maybe I could recommend this movie. But as it stands, it's where I said it is. It reminds me of um, a long time ago. I dug up some slasher movie that uh, I'd heard about. It had fucking like Richard Grieco and fucking Jenna Jameson or some shit in it, um, and it was called uh, Samhain, I believe it was. Yeah. And like I got my hold, I got my hands on like the fucking the the first cut. And it was abysmal. Uh, it re- this movie reminds me a lot of that. Just like this kind of uh, really poorly made independent film that just hangs on gore uh, and nothing all that interesting. It looks like it was slapped together, and that's a damn shame. Because because if if you're if you're editing an independent movie, 
Um, you got all the time in the world to <laughs> to make it good. You don't have a studio looming over your head. You don't have to worry about test audiences or any shit like that. No, man. Like, so what if it takes you another year or two to edit? Make it good. That's a criticism that can be spread amongst anything that's independently made but sold commercially. Like, there's a, there's a fucking Half-Life 2 mod on Steam called, uh, like, Find the Freeman or something like that. Um, it's an independent Half-Life pseudo-sequel or some shit like that, and it's fundamentally broken, and it's on sale for 20 bucks. Like, th- there's no excuse to release, uh, an in- like, a product you created independently if you don't- there's no time limit. You're your own boss! Like, exactly. what did you say before? Like, you're in control of everything. Why is this sequence here? Exactly! Like, you gotta know that it's not good, right? Yeah, you have to know it's, like, if you're a filmmaker... Of any tier, of any level, like, you have to know that filming the first half hour of your movie of just people arriving places and departing places is in any way watchable. No, and that's literally all it is. I hope the director of this movie has rocks in his shoes the rest of his life. <laughs> Does that mean Uwe gets Legos in his shoes for the rest of his life? Uwe steps on a Lego every fucking morning. I mean, he is a masochist. He might be into that. Get me my rug made of nothing but Lego textures. I want to step on it. After I get off my mattress full of money. <laughs> He just sleeps in a big skinned polar bear. So that's it. That's Dark Forest from 2015, directed by Roger Boyer. If you want some more bad movie goodness, you can check us out at moviedumpsterpodcast.com. Follow us at Movie Dumpster on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also check out our sister podcast, The Phantom Zone, hosted by our very own Connor McGraw. You can find them at phantomzonepodcast.wordpress.com. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor McGraw. Thanks for visiting the dumpster. Check it out. See this in your tent? <laughs> you shit your pants for sure. I'm gonna run my finger along those girls' tent. I'm gonna make grunting sound. I'm gonna hide in the bushes and throw rocks at their tent to make whooping noises. That should freak them out. What's that for? I'm gonna gut those bitches. <laughs>